0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to Faith in the Zone, a show about sports and faith and how the two come together in lives being touched. Right now, discover how people in sports walk in faith with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time you covered me.
1: Welcome to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern, flying solo this week. Pastor Ken Keltner should be in next week. In studio, in town. This is awesome. He is Andy McGaffigan, and his sons are with him as well. We're going to talk to them uh, throughout the show. Former Major League Baseball pitcher, 11 Seasons. And I got to tell you, Andy. It's first of all, it's good to see you again, sir. How you been? Thanks, Mike. We're doing great. I and he is uh, being here. Andy and his sons are in town for the NML convention, right? That's right. Once a year, and, and Andy right, he lives in Lakeland, Florida. That's right. He is my NML rep. That's believe right. it or not, <laughs> he is my, and he does a great job, man. Trying to trying to keep my wife and I accountable a little bit on some of this stuff. And after we get done with this interview, we got some NML questions. My wife's coming up, and we're gonna ha- we're going to. Uh, ask you a couple questions on that. How is, uh, how is the convention going? Everything's going well?
2: So far, so good. We got in early. We had a special workshop uh, all day yesterday at the new building, which is unbelievable. Phenomenal. And uh, yeah, we did some uh, studying on some special needs planning. Okay. And so it was a pretty cool deal.
1: Yeah. You told me uh, when we were driving in that uh, pretty intense, a lot of learning yesterday that's
2: kind of our culture we're uh we're always learning about new stuff and there's there's new regulations new laws new uh new opportunities so it's just a matter of keeping the, the saw pretty sharp yeah
1: milwaukee's really proud of nml it's a great milwaukee company absolutely and uh this this week every year there's there's nothing but nml people all over town so we love that yeah you know, there's you a, guys come and get to some restaurants spend some money here. there's going to be about seven to ten thousand people here for a few days Hey, when you got done um, with with baseball, did you know that NML or a company like that was something you wanted to get involved in?
2: You know, not really. I got recruited by uh, another organization, and I was always kind of pinballing or backing off of with another buddy of mine who was with Northwestern, asking him questions about, well, what does this mean and what does that mean? And he kept telling me, well, you ought to interview with Northwestern. And that was Tommy Pate, our buddy that we Tommy. interviewed a couple of years ago. Yeah and uh And, after about the second time, he said, "Well, you really ought to interview with us, and so I did and I was very fortunate to have been offered a contract, and that was eighteen nineteen years ago.
1: Wow, good for you hey we're going to uh we 're going to talk a little bit about about your testimony and 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 you know how how hard it was to walk worthy in major league baseball in the second and third segment because i got to tell you when when I have an n f l guy on guy that played in the n f l or won like last week um Uh, Landry Jones they talk about guys in their locker room that hold them accountable when I talk to baseball guys we talk a lot about Vince Noss and baseball chapels but it's it's more it seems to be more difficult and I'm going to ask you a few questions about that uh, in the second and third segment Um, I want to introduce your sons how cool is it for you to be able to travel with with uh, with Josh and Drew Josh how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. It's nice to meet you.
3: Yeah, definitely nice to meet you. As I'm well. a big
1: fan of your father's.
3: Oh, I'm I'm kind of a fan as well. So. Yeah.
1: Well, he's a fan <laughs> of yours. I'll tell you that. We we talk about you guys a lot, Drew. It's nice to meet you as well.
4: Same. nice to be here.
1: Yeah. You guys work for NML. We do. Yes. Um, you had told me that uh, you guys interned in, uh, for NML and stayed on the Marquette campus. How long ago was that? 2010.
3: Yeah, it was actually. Uh, it was, Drew actually kind of went before me, and he he did it for uh, about. I don't know, probably six or seven months, and then uh, I actually came in the following semester, and um, I did it from about 2011 to 2012.
1: And you stayed right on the campus at Marquette. Well, whenever we
3: were at, uh, whenever we came up to annual meeting, uh, we, we we both stayed on uh, on Marquette campus. It was a, uh, it was an experience. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. <laughs> it was a college dorm. Uh... Yeah,
1: yeah there' not a lot. Any air conditioning? Probably not. Oh, frankly, I don't even
3: remember. Uh, I, my only memory is my is my roommate that disappeared in the middle of the night. So, Oh, <laughs> remember,
4: that's great. I remember seeing the heater on the wall and thinking, what is that object?
1: Yeah, that's right. You guys are Florida boys. You have no idea what heaters are, are no. for. You guys really, I, I'm going to suggest NML that you guys hold this in February. And then we'll toughen you boys up a little bit. You guys come up and, and, and start uh, start walking the streets in February and see how long you last. You'll be back no, on a plane in 15 you. minutes. No way. Hey, Andy, um, looking at uh, last time you came in, Tommy was with you, and, and he's in town in this week. And please say hello to him for me. And I didn't dig real deep into your stats as a major league pitcher. I know we talked a lot about back then about what it was like to, to play for Montreal um, and play for the, the, the Royals and the Blue Jays and stuff. But you had a five year span with Montreal where man, your stats were incredible. Well, I, I appreciate that. I, I, I did have a pretty good career, and
2: it's just uh, playing in Montreal. Though nobody ever hears you, hears about you, right? You're kind of in the lost up there.
1: There wasn't many people at those games near no, the end. Who were there? No. It's a nice, town,
2: nice town, but from a baseball standpoint, not anywhere near like what we have here in Milwaukee. Right?
1: Do you know? Um, and and your ERA over five years was under three. Yeah. You, you you came out of the bullpen, but you pitched some. But th- overall, I think your career, th- th- uh, you were you had five more wins and losses with an ERA under three. You would be making a boatload of money right yeah, now. Yeah, let's not
2: talk about that right now. But <laughs> you yeah, want to talk about you that? Know, I, I'm thankful. I had a good career. I had uh, a lot of successes. But, you know, it's like the – I heard it say one time, it's like the turtle on top of a fence post. I didn't get there by myself. I had some really good teammates. I had some good uh, coaches, some really good catchers along the way, so it was.
1: Hey, let's talk about that process where, where you played minor league baseball and you got drafted in the in the fifth round, I think, sixth round sixth by round? the
2: Yankees. Yeah, the third time.
1: That was a surprise to you that first time, right? With the, the first, th-
2: well, the first time out of high school, it was the biggest surprise because I had no idea I was even being tracked by anybody. And I got drafted by the Cincinnati Reds in like the 27th or 37th round, somewhere out in the right. no, middle of nowhere. And it totally took me by surprise, 100% blind, blindsided me. And that kind of got me thinking about, well, maybe there's an opportunity here. And then I got a college scholarship. And then next thing you know, I get drafted again a year and a half later by the White Sox. And I'm like, holy cow. And then I go to school again and get more scholarship money and – and get drafted by the Yankees in the sixth round after my senior
1: year at Florida Southern, and off we went. Off? Did you go right then from um, when you got drafted right into like low rookie ball, or how, how does that how I went to start? A ball, okay. low
2: A ball for like a week and a half which was in Oneonta, New York, which is not too far from Cooperstown. And I always joke, so that's the closest I'll ever get to Cooperstown. (laughs) Um, But then I I got called up to Fort Lauderdale, which was high A ball in the Florida State League, and then I was there for uh, the rest of that year. And then I went to AA the next year, had a really good year. But then I went to AA again the next year and had an even better year. I had to have an all-world year to just get out of AA because we had such a stacked team ahead
1: of us. Did, did you when did you grow up in Florida? I did. And, and where did you go to? What part of Florida did you go South up? South Florida and West Palm Beach. Okay. Yeah. Uh, baseball, big, big?
0: Uh, Everything.
2: Weather's perfect all the time. So baseball was big, but so was going to the beach or golf or, you know, whatever. So sure. there were a lot of potential distractions. I just happened to land on baseball.
1: Hey, Josh, did you, uh, you never saw your dad play. I, I did not. You've seen tape. You've seen. Have you seen um, the the who is the Chicago Cub player coming after you? Yeah, Sean Dunstan. Sean Dunstan. Sean Dunstan. Yeah. You, you saw that? Oh, that, I've, I've seen it. I, I laugh every time I see the video. I watched it today, by the way. You ducked <laughs> right in the right time. Yeah, Timing is everything. Timing is everything. Yeah, Dunstan was a hothead, by the way, and yeah. he uh, he came out pretty quick.
2: Yeah, he was. It was that whole setup was crazy. Uh, it was early in the year. It was like April. And the Cubs were already about fifteen out. They were struggling. Dunston was hitting about a buck. He was struggling, and I threw a wild up and in pitch on him, and it actually it hit him on his hand. But Doug Harvey, the umpire, thought it hit the knob of the bat, so he called it a foul ball. So he, Dunston, kind of stares me down, and I'm like, why would why would I want to hit him? <laughs> right you know, at that time, he was kind of an out at that time. So why would I even want to get him on base? So, a couple of pitches later, the same thing happened again. only this time it came up and in on him, and it flipped him. Well,
1: he had kind of lost it by then and he and he charged me he did charge you, yeah, yeah. and, and so, you know the video I watched only lasted until you know you did, he went flying over you yeah, and they they didn't show both benches or any of that I'm sure there was some some action behind you and around you for for that It was wild, you know as soon as he came out. You know, he, I ducked, he
2: swung, and he swung right over me, and his momentum carried him over me. And then we kind of joined up together, and then and about that time, boom, everybody from both benches was on us. And I ended up getting a three-inning save out of that. Perfect.
1: Yeah. You know, not, not bad. Well, that's. I'll tell you what, if you Google Andy McGaffigan, that's, that, that video shows up um, pretty quickly. Hey, Drew, were you around to watch your dad pitch? Yeah, he retired when I was five. So, do you remember any of that? Uh, I remember uh, going down
4: to the locker room after the games to get at the treat table, and uh, Bo Jackson needs to scare the heck out of me, on purpose, I might add.
1: He, did he really?
4: Yeah. yeah, every time I walk by his locker, he'd go, hey, boy, <laughs> <laughs> reach out for me. And I'm a five-year-old skinny kid running for the treat table. I had no idea.
2: Yeah, he could have caught you, too. Yeah, he broke okay, me in half. That's, yeah, re- d- that's really a neat story. I'd like to elaborate on sure. that. It was, it was his first day coming in the locker room. I had just gotten called up to the team, and... And Drew as as the culture is the kids, most the boys would, would be able to come in the locker room and of course all the kids would go right over to the candy and you know candy table, right? Sure. Well they had to go right past Bo's locker. And and Bo did that. He hollered at him and he said, Hey boy and, and Drew just melted and he ran right over to my locker and started crying. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, and no, don't remember and that Bo bad. felt so badly about that. He actually went over to the bubble gum. He got a big five-gallon bucket of bubble gum and other candy, and he just came it over and just gave it to him right there in my locker. He said, I feel so badly. That's awesome. And, yeah, so it was not – Bo wasn't a, a, a mean person. It was just – it, it oh, startled yeah. Drew, and, and he felt terrible about it.
1: Man, that's good. Do you guys get a chance to talk to your dad about uh, – And I, and I don't know if – if if it gets old after a while, but do you talk about his time in, in Major League Baseball, and do you ask him questions about some of the stuff that, and some of the stories that that happened to him as a player?
4: Uh, sometimes my older sister Robin and I will uh, talk in front of Josh about the good old days back when Dad played baseball
1: before <laughs>
4: before he showed up,
1: hey, before I came along and ruined everything. And... Hey, hey, Josh, I've got a brother in Turpin Springs, Florida. He's coming to town next week. He's sixty three. Sixty-two or sixty-three, and he still plays on three hardball teams. Well, he's coming up next week for his birthday, and he's bringing his gear and he's playing for a team here in Milwaukee. And I told him that your dad was coming in, and I told him about your dad, and he said, "Hey, can I call him? We're looking." I said, "I don't think he'll pitch again, so I may, you may have a chance to see him play yet." <laughs> no, that ship well, yeah. has left the port. I'm well, telling you, know, you right it, now. It's
3: funny you say that. I mean, you know, I, I may not have seen him whenever he was he was playing in, in the, you know the, the real major leagues, but every now and again, and it hasn't happened in a few years, but uh, he'll get invited to play on some, uh, the, you know, the old-timers the old, timers old game. Timers. The, uh, yeah. yeah, so it, it's kind of fun, and you get to go and, uh, you know, just kind of see a little bit of the atmosphere and sit in the dugout and watch things happen. I, I don't think we you've done one of those since I was maybe Been a while. 16 or something. There's, you got anything you know,
1: left time. in that arm? Uh
3: not yes. a heck of a golf swing. In not there, not
1: much. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> you know, those, those, I'm telling you, my brother, if you can get an inning out of you, he'll send me pictures. It's him and Doug Flutie, him and, uh, yeah. you know, former Major League Baseball players that I'm like, hey, are you standing next to? He goes, yeah, he played on on this tournament team and we're, you know, in Phoenix. And yeah. because he's at his age and he can still catch seven innings. And, which is amazing. Which is me. amazing. I said, "Can you still throw guys out?" He's like, "Yeah, they're not quite as I can one hop and get these guys." <laughs> hey, we're going to get to a break. Other side of the break, Andy. I want to. I want to talk a little bit about your faith, where it began. Talk a little bit about what it was like in in locker rooms, in in the minor leagues, and the major league baseball. And and I've got a couple questions for you on that. Our special guest is Andy McGaffigan, former uh, major league baseball pitcher, eleven seasons. He pitched and had five great years with Montreal and some really good years with uh, some other teams like Cincinnati and the Yankees and Kansas City Royals. And we'll get to the uh, the, the testimony side of Andy uh, and his story on the other side of the break. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan.
0: More now of Faith in the Zone, discovering people of sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Brookside Baptist Church. Back with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time, you covered me.
1: Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern. Again, flying solo this week. Pastor Ken Keltner will be back next week. Our special guest, former Major League Baseball pitcher, 11 years in, in the bigs, Andy McGaffigan. He's in town. He's my NML rep. So if you're looking for a rep, you you, you take more clients, won't you? Uh, yeah, I'll take a few more. Yeah, yeah if you're looking room. for an honest guy that can uh, can help you, call me and I'll set <laughs> you up with Andy and... You know what? Maybe maybe I'll send it to Josh and Drew instead, right? Well, we we, we'll we talk. are a family. We will talk. Hey, Andy. Um, and I was telling you this during the break that it seems to me when I have NFL guys on and we talk about the question that I always ask you guys is, was it easy to walk worthy inside the locker room or outside the locker room? It seems like football players consistently have said inside the locker room because I had a lot of guys holding me accountable. You know, um, Don Beebe, who played for the Buffalo Bills and the Packers, said, look, Reggie White used to have Saturday Night Live at his house where we would all come together. Uh, We would, you know, we would have dinner. We would open up the King James Version to talk about this book or talk about that and that verse. And when I talk to baseball players, it's normally it was easier for me outside of the locker room, and it it, it not only – um, because of the travel part of it and because they're gone from their, their families so so much. But in minor league baseball, the distractions and the temptations are plenty.
2: Well, the distractions and the temptations are, are there, whether it's in the big leagues or the minor leagues. Right. You know, in the minor leagues, they're not as as much because there's just the volume. The number of, of people aren't, aren't the same, right? Uh, and typically, the money isn't quite the same either. So, you know, it, money is a big attractor for a lot of different things. Uh, reasons and people Um, but in in baseball it all depends on on a who you are and your maturity level but also if you're like when I was with Montreal for example we had some great guys on that team that loved Jesus that are just they were just solid citizens really good baseball players but just really solid in their faith so it made it a lot easier to be in the locker room but it also made it easier to go on the road with those guys because after the game you know, we're going to hang together. We're going to go out. You know, back then, that was before cell phones and laptops and stuff. And so we would go back. We might go out to dinner after the game, but it would be us, you know. And so we kind of looked out for one another. We had some accountability going. And then when we got back to the hotel, many times we roomed with each other. Right. And then we'd all pile into the room and watch Sports Center and then
1: go back to our rooms if we were by ourselves and, and then go to bed. Vince Noss does a great job with, with Baseball Chapel. And and baseball has done a really good job with it, and he works really hard. And I've had a number of of guys on that have been affected by baseball chapel, um, and it's just interesting to me because it's it. And I don't know when you know when you were playing, some of these guys said, "Look, as a Christian, other players looked at me as soft," and and a couple of hockey guys we had on mm-hmm. said, hey, "Hold on a second, because I because I love Jesus and I, I I I'm a Christian does not mean I'm." I'm soft. It doesn't mean I want to win any less than than you do. One of our favorite stories on faith in the zone. We had AJ Ellis, to catcher. He was for the Dodgers. He married a girl from walking. He's the only player I think in the history of baseball to come north in the off season. <laughs> and he was in the studio and he was telling a story. They were in baseball chapel and they were playing the Giants. And Buster Posey was in right. chapel and they were going through the Book of Romans. And Posey got up and Clayton Kershaw was pitching. And AJ Ellis said, "Hey, Buster, was that? Well, what a chapel that was! Man, that Book of Rome is a good book, don't you think?" And he stepped out and he said, "Yeah, yeah, sure." And he got back in, and AJ started talking about the verse, and he stepped back out. And he said, "Hey, AJ, I'm, I'm about to face Clayton Kershaw, probably the best pitcher in baseball. Should you Give me a break here." He goes, "No, I just want to talk about Bible study." And I said, "That's that's Christian baseball players talking smack right there. You know, he's trying to get him off his right, game." Right. Right. Um, can we talk a little bit about about your testimony, um, where it began, where your walk began, and and uh uh I don't know if it was when you were born into a Christian home, or if not at all talk I a little was, bit about that?
2: I, I consider myself a first I think everybody's a first generation Christian, but I was <clears throat> I was raised in a home that was not uh a faith based home. My mother had a relationship with the Lord, but it was a very weak one. My father had nothing. And so I didn't really have any uh teaching or training or mentoring from a faith-based perspective my dad used to take us to church and then he'd sit in the parking lot and read the sunday newspaper under the shade tree and wait for us to get out that was his that was his uh his work and so when i was about 14 i we had a youth pastor that came to our church as a as an intern and during the summer and he really lived jesus he showed jesus uh he loved like jesus did and he just he introduced me to the Lord, and I accepted the Lord that summer. And I can't tell you his name or what he looked like, and I couldn't pick him out of a lineup, but uh, I know I'll meet him one day when I get to heaven. But well, you'll that, thank him. Absolutely. Yeah. That guy changed my life. And now, you know, it was interesting. I didn't all of a sudden become, you know, an A student. I didn't become the, the best player on the team. You know, it wasn't one of those deals. It was like I knew in my heart of hearts I was a different kid, and I had a different purpose in life. And as I matured and as I grew up, uh, you know, yeah, I dropped the ball many times. I made a couple of wrong turns here and there. But, you, you know, I always knew that my salvation was secure. And as I began to accept and own my faith and, and grow it through, you know, Bible study, through fellowship, through church, through um, mentoring uh, from other uh, godly men and, and, and women, um, I just, it blossomed and it, and it
1: and it has served me well all my days. You talked about being a first-generation Christian, Marcus Handel, who's the bullpen catcher for the Brewers. Uh, we've had him on Faith in the Zone, I had him in the studio, and he he will get up on the mountaintop with you, and he's he is upset that he that he's a first-generation Christian, mm-hmm. and he he said, "Look, that's not going to happen in my family. Uh, they're going to know about Jesus. They're going to know about you know who He is, what He does for me, the relationship that I have." And it's interesting because it seems to me that when we talk to guys that are first generation Christians, they're the ones that are that, that are saying, hey, look, I need to talk to, to you about this. Are, are you strong? Do you, are you utilizing the platform? Are you comfortable utilizing the platform that the Lord's given you to talk about your faith? I,
2: I really am. I've been very fortunate because of organizations like UPI and, and Pro Athletes Outreach and, and Baseball Chapel, they have really pushed me and encouraged me when I was a younger man to be active in sharing my faith, as Scripture tells us to do, right? And so they really gave me some tools on how to present the gospel in a, in a simplistic, uh, timely way so you don't wear people out, you know? you right. just be, Basically, it's just being really transparent and being
1: real. There was a—and uh, I've told this story a lot, but it's such a good story for me Um and it really it, it, it opened my eyes to a number of things. Coach Lightfoot, Division Three college basketball in Indiana, uh, told this story on on faith in his own. He said, look, I, I was so comfortable in the locker room to share my faith with my players and my coaching staff, and the moment I walked out of that locker room, I froze up. Mm-hmm. So I took a bunch of classes on how to evangelize and read a bunch of books, and I, I just wasn't comfortable. And then I bought a book called I'm Not a Fan. Mm-hmm. And I got like the bracelet you have on right now, Andy. He said he paid an extra $3 to get the bracelet that said, I'm not a fan. And he was in a grocery store and a woman came up to him and said, who aren't you a fan of? And he said, I'm not a fan of Jesus Christ. And she looked like, and she kind of gasped. And he said, I'm not a fan because fans sit on the sidelines. I'm a follower. Can mm-hmm. I tell you about it? Yeah. And he said all this time and all this energy and all it took was a three dollar bracelet. And I think the Lord met me where I was at yeah. and said, "Okay, now you're ready." Yeah. And he said that bracelet. He said I probably have a hundred of them laying around my house now because I never want to walk out without having that on because it opened so many doors for me. You know, I, I I've always been taught as a as a faith walker is that
2: you know I should be real about my faith not. You know, I don't need to be preachy. I just need to be real. And it reminds me when I was with the Royals, I had just gotten traded over there, and I met the team in Anaheim. So we're in there after the game. There's a meal. We call it a spread. And I'm sitting in there, and and I don't know the. I only know like one or two guys on the team, really, because I played maybe in the minor leagues against them or with them or whatever. And I remember there was one guy. I I won't name him, but uh, he was kind of a hard charger. He was kind of a cruiser. He was a womanizer. He was a worldly guy. Very successful, and and I, I I sat down next to him on at the dinner table, and before I ate, I prayed. I just closed my eyes and you know said a quick prayer, and wasn't I stood up and you know I didn't raise my hand right. and and so I I finished my prayer and I kind of looked up and he's just he's eyeballing me. He's just like looking at me like with both eyes, and and I go, what's up? And he goes, you one of those Bible bangers. <laughs> <laughs> How do you, I've been on the team like 3 hours, right? How do you answer that? Well, I said, uh, yeah, I, I guess I probably am. And you're like, "Okay, I was just just checking." Bible a Bible banger. Bible banger. But yeah. you know, the real the reality was, I wasn't trying to be showy. I was nope. just praying.
1: You know, I was just living my life. Hey, with the boys and, and your sons are with us, Josh and, and and Drew. Um Josh, this is this is you grew up with a dad who was not uh, ashamed and and you know, I I was able to to talk to you, I'm sure, as a young kid about his faith and and guide and direct you into yours, correct? Oh yeah, absolutely. Comfortable with that? yeah, absolutely. Good. you know I, I did not, and so and and, and I, I I didn't accept Jesus Christ for a long time, and I tell people on this show that some some guys, maybe like your dad, the worst thing they ever do is steal a candy bar, and then we had Pastor Daryl strawberry on and myself. Two guys that were doing some things they shouldn't be doing during their life, and if the Lord's willing to accept us, guys like him and I, come on. I mean, there's nobody that if they don't ask for him to come into their into their life that he he won't do that. Um, do do you as as so you you Josh and and Drew, you guys grew up in church, correct? Correct yeah uh bible bible study youth group all of that
3: the the whole deal yeah. yeah
1: comfortable with where you guys are at and comfortable letting people know in your life you know growing up where you were yeah oh I gosh mean, yeah yeah
3: you know it's 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 one of those things that if you live your life and um you know be be unashamed you don't necessarily have to to you know thump someone on the head with a bible for right. them to realize that there's something different about you um, the way you carry yourself and the way that you relate to others, or the way you handle conflict, um, you know, y- you don't really have to to, to jump out there and, and beat people down with it for for them to take notice. Yeah,
1: I agree with that. You're proud of these boys, huh? Oh,
3: they're they're awesome.
1: We talk about them a lot behind their back and uh it's mostly good uh, the, the feeling is mostly good mostly good well i'm not good. there's one of the two that that no i'm only kidding he <laughs> loves both you guys let's get to a break other side of the break we'll continue andy mcgaffigan his son's and drew andy 11 years uh major league pitcher uh montreal the five years of montreal big numbers played with cincinnati and the royals and the giants um yeah you didn't hit very well, I gotta tell you. How come everybody brings that up? Would you hit about a buck ten, something I like had, that? No. I wished I'd hit a buck ten. I think I was like oh forty two or yeah, something. Yeah, it was like that. it was a Not rough good. one. I didn't well, want to
2: go that low, but well, you know,
1: it is what it is. And he so. is Andy McGaffigan. again. we'll get uh, we'll continue on the other side. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio one oh five seven FM the fan. Welcome back
0: to Faith in the Zone. An inside look at people in sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Sorens Ford of Brookfield. Here's host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time, you covered me.
1: Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern. Again, flying solo this week. Pastor Ken Keltner will be back next week. Our special guest this week, former Major League pitcher Andy McGaffigan, 11 years on the bump in uh, in Major League Baseball, and his sons Josh and Drew. Drew, we were, we we're talking a little bit during the break, and and I asked if, if you would share a little bit. When, when I talked to, to, to you guys last segment, we talked about your dad um you know and and him walking worthy with you and you guys being unabashedful of who you are and who he has helped guide you to become and you you started to tell a story about uh imitation and and, and I said can you hold on let's do this on the air so I'm going to turn it over to you a little bit and growing up in the McGaffigan home with Andy as the leader of and that the, he's certainly the head of this household um was a good place for you oh my gosh yes um so we we
4: we love our dad And I know that a lot of people love their dads. Um, I'm not claiming that my love for him is greater than anyone else's, but um, I I think it ultimately boils down to um, what we were discussing earlier about imitation and how my dad's dad wasn't the best man. Um, And uh, my dad is, I think, a great man, but not because of something that's inside of him, but I think it's because who he's following, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. I think that we can feel safe following him and imitating him because we know who he's following, know who he's imitating. And obviously we're following Christ. Um but in our lives, uh if we're looking for someone to follow after, to mold our lives after, to imitate, um, I mean, well we follow my dad into this business, so right. <laughs> a lot of things
1: we uh we follow him in. Well that uh puts tears in my eyes. I, I I'm just telling you and it it, it Andy it, it it should to you as well because when you said look Everybody loves their dad. They don't. Not everybody does. And hmm. it it um, for for me, I'm a father, a grandfather of three. And when I hear when I hear young men that say, "Hey, look, I want to be like him. I want to be like my dad." And and when I know that their dad is a guy that I really you know admire because of his faith, a lot of people would say, "Look, I want to be friends with Andy McGaffigan because." He pitched in the major leagues, man. He was a big time pitcher. You know, he flipped Sean Dunstan, which, if you're a Brewer fan, that's why you want to be <laughs> friends with McGaffigan. But I very rarely talk to him about baseball. When I do talk to him, we talk about you guys and I talk about my kids and we talk about our grandkids and we talk about our faith and we talk about, you know, verses and, and you know, all of that stuff. And then, oh, by the way, that's right. You know, he th- he was a big time pitcher. Mm. So for me to hear you say that, um, Drew, it's it it did it touches my heart. And and thank you for for sharing that. And Josh, I know you feel the same way. Oh, absolutely. When 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 he would drop you off at at uh, you know Wednesday nights to make sure that you get get in, um, you know to to either the kids club or or wherever you guys were going when you were younger. Um, at, at church, I, I know that not every week you wanted to go because not every kid always wants to go. Did you, that was just part of your life and ingrained in, in what you guys do, correct?
3: Yeah. And I mean, you know, not, not everybody wants to go, but, um, you're going right. <laughs> uh, and it was kind of that, that scenario. It was, it was, you know, you don't, you don't miss Wednesday. You don't make plans on Wednesday afternoon. Cause you know where you're going to be, right? You don't make plans on Sunday morning. Cause you, you know where you're going to be and um it, and it wasn't so much that um i don't know that we were being forced to go but it was set as an expectation
4: we took a family vacation to north carolina up in valley Cruces one year and uh we were up there uh over the weekend and so it was sunday and uh my dad showed up on the back porch with a bible we're all sitting there in rocking chairs looking at the trees he said all right we're doing church
1: we're doing here we go we, we got we, bible we thought, we thought we'd gotten out of it but no <laughs> that's awesome i was in pensacola florida one time um, and I going to tell you this because this this I went to bible study my my daughter was looking at Pensacola Christian College, and um, I went to, to bible study and and the, the head pastor was doing it and he and he gave his testimony and he said he was he was at a uh, at a uh, church camp um, a faith based camp and he was twelve and he was playing football with the fifteen and sixteen year olds and the in the morning when they played he never got a, a ball thrown to him. And then they had Bible study, and and uh, he he became saved, and he accepted Jesus Christ as personal savior. He walked down, he met with uh, met with one of the counselors, got on his knees, accepted Jesus Christ, and he went out and played football again with these guys in the afternoon, and they threw him a pass and he caught it, and these older kids were like, "Man, a great catch!" And he said, "In my head, I was thinking, well." Of course, I caught it. I'm a Christian now, and he said he. The next pass, he dropped, and he just walked off the field. And he went back, and he said, "I don't think I'm a Christian. I don't think I did this right because I dropped the pass." So growing up for with with you guys, the the, the part that I wanted to ask you guys about, and I and I talked to Andy about this. Even though he was a major league baseball player, he never pushed you guys into baseball. Correct.
3: No, I, I would say he he did a pretty good job of, of the exact opposite of just saying, hey, if it's something that you want to do, um, you know, please by all means pursue. I'll, I'll I'll help you and encourage you. But I mean, myself, I uh, I went on to to run track and I I swam in high school and Drew did it as well. He he didn't swim but he ran track and did other things in that uh, in that and um I you know, beyond school I went and and did music and. I uh, was in a band for a few years, and so it was something that I did pretty independently, and um, you know, but I would never say that we we were pushed towards any one particular thing, but we were always encouraged.
4: Yeah, yeah I, I did JV ball uh, for two semesters, and uh, or not two semesters, but I, I played JV ball one year, okay. and it was good. Um, and my dad was a huge help in that, uh, but we we always got the impression that he wasn't here to sort of put his stamp on us to make us little hymns. Was that hard for you?
2: No, because I, I saw the exact opposite when I was a kid growing up in high school. I had a shortstop whose father was a big league player and a uh, pretty good p- pitcher. And my shortstop was a really pretty good player, but, but if he would boot a ball or throw a ball away or if he left a guy on third base, he, he w- his countenance would just drop because he knew that his dad was just going to wear him out. And I saw that, and I said, "Man, I never want to be that dad. Never want to be that guy. No, and so I kind of took the exact opposite. I said, "Listen, if they want to play, I'll go. I'll be there every day. I'll 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 go to dark thirty with them every day if they want to."
1: But you know, they chose that wasn't their passion, and I'm okay with that. Right, boy, that's that's good. You know, I'm a little disappointed, um, Drew, with you, and I'll tell you why because you ran track and and uh, coming over here today. There was you guys NML, they had a run, these guys walked it, and you stayed in bed, man. You slept in, and I'm wondering if your high school track coach would be real happy with you right now. I'm sure he'd be thrilled. He uh <laughs> No, uh it, it's funny you were
4: asking about whether or not we were pushed into into sports. Right. Um I, I I'm even less into sports than my brothers. I'm very athletic. I enjoy rock climbing and going kayaking and surfing and swimming and running around, but right. I mean when it comes to throwing a ball around, I'm good at it and I enjoy it, but I can't imagine uh following it from a distance. It, I'm like so in that in that sense, uh I totally missed the boat on that uh inheriting that passion.
1: Well, and growing up in Florida, as you had talked about earlier, there's so many options. Yeah. For you you guys, you know, here come wintertime. You 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 get into a gym, and that's I've I've been a basketball coach. It's be coming up my thirty seventh year coaching basketball, and that's all I you know. Come November to March, that's kind of what what you do. There's no baseball being played. There's a lot of facilities that you can go, and and they didn't have those when you were growing up. No, not at all. Down in Florida, in fact, when I played high school bat or junior high school
2: basketball. We we didn't even have a gym. We played outdoor on the asphalt you know, asphalt court.
1: Yeah, basketball not uh, oh, not yeah. huge in, 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 in the uh, state of Florida. So much, yeah. You know what's interesting is we had um I had a, a friend of my brother's uh who again lives in Tarpon Springs, friend of his that he played baseball with, his son is now I think in double A with the New York Mets mm. and he was the junior college pitcher of the year. He's a first round pick, I think, with the Mets. And we had him on my high school show and he said, you know, we used to laugh at you boys from up north, you're playing, what, 20 games, maybe? 25 yeah. if you could let the snow okay. melt. And he said, but what, what I didn't understand until I met some of the guys from up north is that the guys down here play so much, you know what you're getting into. Yeah. They're pretty much topped out when when you get them. The guys from the north, they they haven't played nearly as much baseball. Yeah. And you get a chance to to really kind of improve the stuff that – that they're doing. Hey, we're going to get to a break. That was a heck of a segment, Andy. And, and I got to tell you, Josh and Drew are every bit as nice young men as, as you had told me about. And the fact that they would, you know, the words that that Drew had and Josh had for you, um, I'm going to send you this tape. And you, next time they tick you off, you can play this. For
2: well, me. let's let's remember that his their mother. Was a big part of their uh, their oh. growing up too. So I married yeah. I married
1: way over my head. You're, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah, yeah, that's trust I out-punted me. I punted my coverage. I uh, I uh, tell people that I taught my son and daughter. I taught my son daughter didn't take to basketball much. How to go left on the court? How to get in gaps and find the open guy? And my wife got everything else. And he, you know, these are really good kids. <laughs> yeah. So let's get to a break again. He's Andy McGaffigan. His sons Josh and Drew. Uh, Andy is my NML rep in town from Florida, former Major League Baseball pitcher. 11 years he pitched in Major League Baseball. And we'll uh, we'll get to the last segment on the other side. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan.
0: Back to Faith in the Zone, a journey on how people in sports walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by fellow Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Here's host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time, you covered me.
1: Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern. Fine, so this week, Pastor Ken Keltner will be back next week. Our special guest, this has been a great show for me, uh, former Major League Baseball pitcher, and he's my friend. Also my NML rep, but he's more my friend. He is Andy McGaffigan, 11 seasons in Major League Baseball, and his sons Josh and Drew. And during the break, Drew made a comment, and he said, I, I realized years ago that I wasn't going to wait for a funeral to tell people in my life what I feel about him." I know. I see why you're so proud of these boys. Yeah, these guys are solid,
2: and I don't, you know, I never had to worry about these kids growing up ever. Never had a sleepless night. Never had to go get them out of the police station. Never had to pull them out of a
1: bar. You know, so it was just you know why? Because they got blessed. each other. That's why you yeah. didn't know about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding. Truth, oh, oh, oh. like, hey, oh. you be quiet over there. I told you that <laughs> in confidence. No, I'm Bloody. just kidding. You know what? I I feel the same way because I. My kids too, yeah. Katie and Matthew. Um, man, Katie, Katie, uh, I could tell you this story. She, when we were taking her, she went to Maranatha Baptist Bible College as well. And um, when we were taking her, she said, "Hey, look, don't call or write me for thirty days. I need to start my life. I need to. This mm. is my new life." And, and Terry was crying, and I was like, "Yeah, okay." And so thirty days later, we drive up. It's forty five minutes from her We drive to take her to have have dinner and we're in a Culver's it's a local restaurant The burgers and, and and ice cream and stuff and about halfway through the place was packed Andy halfway through she is just not nice and I slammed my fist down on the table I said who do you think you're talking to like that put your put your food in the bag and I'm going to take you back to to Marinatha and don't call or write me for 30 days mm. I don't want to hear from you for 30 well we got 15 minutes from the college phone rang, she's crying i'm so sorry i don't know why i'm acting this way and now she has three sons and they live directly kitty corner from us right across the street it's like everybody loves raymond and she every day she's like dad how'd you do that i'm so sorry the way i act and i said man you're fine it's you know lord's getting your back for what what you did to me Hey, um, you still talk to Tom Roy from UPI regularly? I I get a text from him
2: every morning. He sends me a Bible verse. Me too. And, I'm on that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I just love that. And so, yeah, we're connected all the time.
1: He, um, if, for people that don't know, Tom Roy has been a big part of this show. He, um, he, I met him a year ago, two years ago, a year into doing the show. I was a guest speaker at an event. Guy came up to me after and said, "Hey, I." I really enjoy Faith in the Zone. Do you ever take recommendations? And I said, of course. I need them. The hardest thing about Faith in the Zone is to find guests that are willing to come on and talk about their faith. And he gave me Tom Roy. He said, this guy grew up in Grafton. I know he's doing something. I'm not sure what, but you might want to reach out to him. Yeah, I found him and UPI, Unlimited Potential in Christ, or Incorporated. Right. Um, and he does takes former Major League Baseball players all over the world. To to spread the word, he takes former and current and current, yeah. So
2: during the off season, uh, he'll take current guys to uh, places like you know all over the world, literally Japan, China, uh, Israel, Germany, uh, Bulgaria, the Eastern Bloc, all over the place. And th- the goal is to is to go on short term missions trips, right? And just to be able to spend I don't know a week to ten to fifteen days with Tom in in a place like Italy or. Or in Germany
1: or china is it's life changing to be able to utilize baseball mm. as the vehicle to spread the word is it, it that's incredible for me he he's told me some stories about different places in the world that he's gone that you roll a baseball out and you're going to get a hundred kids there
2: absolutely and and the ministry just continues to grow and grow and grow. I met Tom in nineteen eighty four with when I was with Cincinnati. He came and did a chapel program uh, for the Reds, and it's funny. I'm sitting in there it was Sunday after Sunday morning. I'm sitting in there with my you know my shorts and a T-shirt on, and the chapel was over, and and he and I just started talking. Next thing I know, I hear the national anthem going on, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not even I'm not even dressed. And back then, if you didn't make if you weren't out there, they used to get in your pocket. They'd find you, and so I threw on my uni- uniform real quick and went out, and I caught the last couple of words of the national anthem, but. You know, he would have paid and, paid and ever since then
1: we've just been fast friends he he would have paid that for you he's that kind of guy <laughs> he um his mom's still in grafton so he comes through and he's yeah. got a place up in door county and in in fact in the next couple of weeks uh he's going to be driving through and we're going to have lunch and and if i can't talk him into coming and doing another show because i could do 15 shows oh. with him and we wouldn't get through all this stuff
2: yeah he's he's one of my guys you know he's he and i are we're just best friends and so when i have a he's one of my mentors and you know guys our age it's hard to get a really strong mature guy that isn't senile or dead right you know i'm telling you and so when we have a guy like tom he's on my speed dial and if we gotta if i gotta talk about something man he's always he said hey i may not be able to talk to you right now but hey i'll call you back right and he
1: he always does you know it's interesting when when I talk about getting guests for the show <laughs> is the hardest thing. There have been times throughout the years it, it gets it gets a little bit easier and and i've always reached out to Tom if i 've been struggling, and he's been so kind to say and again, reach out to Andy or reach out to this guy or to this guy, uh, but there are times early on um andy that I, it would be Wednesday, and i didn 't have anybody yeah. and there there was uh one one week I was driving home and I was just praying, saying, Lord, you know, I want to make this thing work. I need some help. Can you please give me some guidance? And the park across the street from my house, there were all these African-American kids, families all over. And I drove over to there and I thought, well, it's probably a church group. And I pulled up and a guy was getting out of his car and I said, hey, is this a church group? And he looked kind of like, why, why are you asking? And I said, hey, is your pastor a sports guy? And the guy goes, are you Mike McGivern? I go, yeah. He goes, Faith in the Zone? I go, yeah. He goes, you have, our pastor played college basketball. Park your car. i got to introduce you. Oh, cool. Pastor Marlon Locke does the music now for Faith in the Zone. He's got a big-time music ministry. He's got a big church in the city of Milwaukee, and he's trying to make a difference in the city. He's a good man. He's got a, just a wonderful wife and family. And, and uh, I walked up, and he was playing a co-ed volleyball mm-hmm. game. And he wouldn't stop playing until he got done. He wouldn't talk to me until he got done. And he wouldn't sub anybody in. He said, you, you're going to have to wait. The guy was like, you have to understand, this is Mike McGivern, Faith in the Zone. He goes, I don't care who he is. I'm playing <laughs> volleyball. I'm going to win this game. And I thought he'd be perfect yeah. for Faith in the Zone. We've had him on a couple of times. He's been kind enough to share his music ministry with Faith in the Zone. And, nice. and uh, So that, that part, and that's where Tom came in, Andy. And I'll ask you the same, if there's anybody you know, that you cross paths with, or when you're flying home, if you think, boy, this is a guy I haven't talked to in a couple years, but he might really work well for Faith in his own, please pass along a name and, and phone number. I'd really appreciate that. I'm always good with referrals, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, as as I am yes, for you NML. Are. Yeah. Uh, Josh and Drew, Boyce, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Um, Josh, how long have you been with NML? Let's see, I'm actually fastly approaching a year. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah, you like it? Oh, I love it. Great place for
4: you.
3: <laughs> Absolutely, Drew. How
4: about you? You beat me to it by about two months, so I'm coming up on
3: less than a year. What's the
1: toughest part for you guys? Is it finding new clients?
3: It's it's just a uh, it's a mental game for me. Um, you know, every day is an uphill battle against yourself. And um, but you know, you, you that's why you got to surround yourself with with good people. And um, I'm fortunate enough to have a pretty solid team around me. And if I'm having a Bad day? I'll go talk to somebody, and they'll say, "Well, go call somebody else, man." Right, <laughs> go right. Quit be, <laughs> being a baby and go call somebody. You know, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> so they'll say, "I'm not going to buy anything from you." And say so "Okay, yeah." So you go and talk to somebody, but um yeah, it's just a mental game. But it, it, it it's it's good though. It's a good challenge.
1: I t- I told my son who's uh, in sales as well, if if you get you can make two phone calls and get two sales, then then stay there all day because you're hot. And if you make a hundred and get none. You're due, man. Keep hitting the phones. Keep doing what you're doing because, trust me, it's going to come. And, uh, hey, guys, thank you so much. I really appreciate the time and the openness that you guys have, have shown um, about your dad and about your faith. And, uh, Andy, it's always a pleasure. Uh, and, and again, thanks for all you do for Terry and I with NML.
2: It's it's my honor and pleasure to be here and to work with you guys.
1: It's, it's, it's fun working with friends. That's awesome. He's Andy McGaffigan. His son's Josh and Drew.